place is nothing like it was in my room In my best clothes Trying to think of you This is nothing like it was in my room In my best clothes to another episode of Angry Girl Music of the Indie Rock Persuasion. I'm your host, Amanda Starling, here to talk to you about all things intersectional feminism, DIY, and of course, the music. 
I hope everyone is staying safe and healthy right now. I know it's been hard for a lot of us to be social distancing, but I hope artists live streaming and maybe podcasts are helping this time feel a little less lonely. I've found some comfort in the episodes I've been recording in this time because I feel like I've been making really meaningful friendships since I think we're all savoring the connections we have, even long distance. I just feel really lucky right now to continue to meet people and grow close even when we're all apart. I don't know how else to describe that feeling other than a source of comfort. And I hope you're all finding that in each other too. P.S. Please, please, please be thankful toward everybody's on the front lines right now. Grocery store workers, pharmacy workers, folks who are working in hospitals or doctor's offices, um, all kinds of folks across the service industry. Everybody deserves our support and thanks right now. We all need to connect. We all need to stick together. Speaking of connecting, I feel like I connected in a major way with this week's guest, Barty Strange. Barty's is an incredible, gifted artist based out of D- the D.C. area who has turned his love for the National into not just his own love letter for the band, but a look at the roles of black musicians in white spaces, especially with his latest release today. We talked about genre, racial identity, and independent music, along with erasure, his new EP today, his original music coming later this year, or at least a tease for it, and so much more. So I can't wait for y'all to get to know Bartiz, so let's hear some more music off of today and then get into the interview. I'm put together beautifully Big wet bottle in my fist Big wet rose in my teeth I'm a perfect piece of ass California, so tall I take over the street with high beams shining on my back, a wingspan unbelievable. I'm a festival, I'm a parade, and all the wine is all for me, and all the wine is all for me, and all the wine. 
Bartiz to Angry Girl Music of the Indie Rock Persuasion. How are things going? Pretty good. How are you? I'm great. Thank you. Um, it's really exciting to be able to chat with you and stuff. I feel like there's been a lot of really positive internet buzz around you and your music that's coming out. So this is exciting. Thanks. I have buzz. That's cool. I, I didn't know that. <laughs> I yeah. feel like I'm always seeing your name getting shouted out by like really awesome people. I respect the music. Like I've seen Slingshot Dakota shout you out among other friends and stuff. So this is cool. Yeah. I mean, I think the coolest thing about music and meeting people in music is, you know, like I feel like I have all these friends now that I didn't have, you know? Mm -hmm. So when I see stuff like that, I'm like, Oh shit. Like they like me as much as I like them. That's like <laughs> amazing. You know, I never expect that. So, you know, it's, it's, I'm really thankful for that. So. Yeah, absolutely. That's like the best feeling, honestly, is like you feel like there's this like other like corridors and music and stuff that are just there and supporting you and stuff. So that's that's exciting. Yeah, it's, it's really cool. Really cool. Absolutely. Um, so let's just get into it. How did you kind of first find yourself involved in independent music? Damn. I mean, I came up always around music. My mom is a singer and my dad collects music. He's like, a horrible musician but he loves music and <laughs> loved like putting me on to new music and I guess I mean I grew up most of my like, like formative years in Oklahoma and mm -hmm. uh, in Oklahoma like I guess when, when I was growing up there's a lot of interesting music coming through mm -hmm. so, like at, at the drive-in was like becoming a huge band when I was like a really young in middle school and I remember like they would come into town and like Kings of Leon back when they were like a punk band like they would play and like a uh, the lead singer's mom was like a substitute teacher at my high school. And so everyone kind of knew what was going on with the band. And mm -hmm. I, it was, I was just always fascinated by it. And, but, and there weren't a lot of like black kids where I grew up and I always was like, damn, like I would love to contribute to this world, but I had a really hard time finding my way in. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, got started playing in like some hardcore bands and punk bands, country bands. And one thing led to another and I just kept doing it. So, I mean, uh, you know, the Oklahoma scene, you know, playing there and then moving to DC and then eventually to New York was kind of how I got a little deeper in it and just kept playing and one thing led to another. So yeah, and I've been doing that since I was like, you know, 14, 15 years old. So, you know, it's been half my life, I guess. That's amazing. And like, I love that there were so many, um, so many bands that you found yourself fascinated with. I know you mentioned like at the drive-in and stuff, but were there any like artists or musicians that you felt like influenced you a lot growing up? Yeah, I, I remember the first time I saw Helicopter, um, the song by Block Party, the music video. Mm -hmm. I heard the song and I was like, oh, who are these guys? They don't sound American. And then my friend was like, oh yeah, the lead singer is a black dude. And I was like, whoa, yo, I gotta see him. <laughs> yeah. I, I saw him playing and I was like, whoa, this is, I don't, I've never seen anyone like this. Every time I play guitar, people are like, oh, you're like Jimi Hendrix or whatever. And I remember being like, I guess, like that's just kind of what I have to be because that's like what everyone's familiar with. So that's mm -hmm. just what it is. Um, but when I saw him, it just like clicked in my brain. And then I saw fucking TV on the radio play Letterman. They did that Wolf Like Me show. And mm -hmm. I was shook. Like, I remember like, running to tape it and and I remember watching the last half of it over and over and over I just was like that's me you know I remember watching it being like I can do that and I, I didn't know how but I was like I can do that 
And mm -hmm. so I, that those were like huge moments and, and watching like um, Omar Rodriguez Lopez play guitar, like in, I'm at the drive-in when I was a kid and I was just like, this is just, this, this is, I want to do this the rest of my life. Like, however I can do that, that's what I'm going to figure out. And so, you know, obviously like those three bands and those three people really like had a huge impact on my little black, you know, tail <laughs> in the country. <laughs> so, yeah, that's kind of what it was <laughs> ever since then. Yeah. I feel that. I think it's amazing that like we, like for me, I, I'm Mexican American and it's like, I feel like I've always had this like, um, struggle to find my identity in independent music in the way that a lot of like people of color have and stuff. And it's always amazing to me because people of color have always been kind of like the heart, if not the founding aspect of like rock and roll and independent music and stuff. And it doesn't make any sense that like we still can't find ourselves in like 2020 sometimes in music and stuff, especially like these more like guitar driven yeah. styles of music and stuff. It's, it's mind boggling to me. So I think about that a lot and it's so special when you have those moments where you connect with artists like like block party where it's like oh wait oh wait that's me up there kind of feeling you know and you know like even what you're saying about how like people of color have had a hard time finding themselves in the genre I, I agree with that but I also think that there's a lot of erasure that happens like within mm -hmm. the genre right so I mean like people ignore the contributions of block party oh big time you know, or TV on the radio, like they'll come up, but it's like, that was a critical mission, critical band, it, mm -hmm. it, you know, bad brains. Like some of these bands living color, like you talk about like rock and roll and like what they've done. It's like, yo, like that, that was it, you know? So. Right. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. It's like, we've been here, but it, for some, well, we know the reason racism that like so, mm -hmm. we get forgotten as a result of like, oh, we have to heighten these like white cis male artists instead and it's bullshit. But um, I'm always like incredibly thrilled whenever I do hear the stories of people who were able to like push back that erasure and like were able to find themselves in music and then on top of that be encouraged to go make their own music too and like become that person for somebody else going forward, you know? Totally, totally. And I feel like, um... I don't like, I mean, not, I don't, I don't like, like, not like to brag or to toot a horn at all. I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm starting out very much like with mm -hmm. this project, but I've been like so grateful for like the black kids that have reached out to me that have been like, yo, I saw you when you played in Stay Inside four years ago. And I was so hyped to hear about today. I was like, yes, like that's the whole point of this, mm -hmm. you know, so that, you know, a, a kid that's brown or black or queer looks and sees me and is like, oh, I want to do that shit. I want to do it bigger. You know, it's like, that's kind of how I felt. And I think that's like so powerful. And that's the whole point of making music, sharing it with people. So yeah, I totally agree with what you're saying. That's so special. I'm so glad to hear that for you. Cause that's, that's such an important moment. I feel like when you're contributing to anything that's like creative, it's like whenever you start to see others who share those ideas or are inspired sometimes by what you've created and stuff. I feel like that's sometimes what makes it feel like it's worth it. A hundred percent. Cause none of us are getting rich out here. No, unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, <laughs> it's sad that I'm doing that. Like, <laughs> yeah, but, <laughs> but that's, you know, that's what it is. You know, it's uh, I feel like it's kind of alienating when you, you want to do something creative and you look around and no one looks like you. 
Right. Even you could be the smartest person in the world, but you can't outthink those feelings of feeling alone, you know? And I feel like when you, when you see someone that looks like you doing something that inspires you, it's like, Oh, like there are other people like me, you know? Mm-hmm. And that, I think that's really powerful, you know, that, that feeling. So, yeah. Absolutely. Damn. I, I, I love this. And it's so important that we talk about this kind of stuff. Cause yeah, hopefully that opens a dialogue for up for people who are listening or people who need to hear like, that validation that, you know, it's like, yeah, I need to do this because um, there are other people who need to see me and hear me, whether it's for my experiences or just who I am or whatever. It's all important. And yeah, it's crucial. Mm-hmm. It really is. And it makes the whole scene better. Oh, 1000%. <laughs> everything better. You know, I've, I see people talking about like, you know, a tour will get announced and everyone is like critical of the tour because there's no like a, uh, people of color or women on the tour and I think that's great you know that like now there's a world where like people want diverse tours like Mm -hmm. people want to go to a show and the crowd be diverse I love like when we throw shows in Brooklyn it's like you know when like Barty Strange and like Jelani C and like Maneka play a show it's like it's like the rainbow is in the room you know like everybody's there and it's like those are some of those fun beautiful together feeling shows I play you know and I, I would love to see more of those happen in other parts of the country. Those are, those are important. Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah, it just makes that space feel so much more inviting and exciting and it inspires other creativity and there's just so many great pieces that come with that. So yeah, it's exciting. And I'm, I'm happy to see that happen more and more with, uh, with, with just more communities and stuff. Yeah, for sure. Well, um, so kind of a little bit back to you, <laughs> I'm kind of curious, like, uh, when did you begin to like pick up instruments and learn how to play and what kind of kept you motivated? Oh my goodness. So my, okay. So my mom's a singer, right? And so like, she's also super religious. We grew up going to church, like very church, black Southern family. Right. And so I was always singing, singing in church. And um, my mom got us an opera camp. We were singing summer opera camp, but I never really played instruments. Like um, she tried to get me to learn piano and I was horrible at it. So I, I quit. And in middle school, I tried to learn trumpet and I, I, I flunked out a band. My, <laughs> my teacher, Mrs. Sharp, I hope you hear this. Like, you know, tried to fail me out of the band. What? And my, my mom was like, how can you fail from seventh grade? You know, trumpet, <laughs> like you go every day. She thought I was skipping school. I was like, I'm not, I'm just bad at making music. And then um, I don't know how it happened, but I had a buddy named Kenny who was like, hey man, let's go skate. And we went skating and I found there's literally a, 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 a guitar hanging out of a trash can, uh-huh. like someone had thrown away. And I just grabbed it and I was like, oh, I'm gonna clean this up and just see like what it sounds like and play around. And I just like, I just kind of clicked. I just kind of got the hang of it. Uh-huh. And I was able to learn stuff pretty quickly and kind of taught myself how to play. And then jumped in a couple country bands and hardcore bands and just kept picking around and never really learned how to read music, but, you know, learned how to make it and started acquiring other things like synthesizers and pianos and drum machines and teaching yeah. myself how to use them. And now that's, that's kind of what I do. That's amazing. <laughs> See, like, this is an audio podcast, but for everybody listening, like, Bardiz is literally surrounded by, like, keyboards and a drum kit and everything like he's not joking he's literally collected so much and it's so awesome (laughs) it's crazy in here Um, (laughs) 
but yeah, this is what I, yeah, it's what I do. People always come over and they're like, oh, where'd you go to school for music? And I'm like, nah, nah, bro. Like, didn't just, I just really like it. That's so cool though, because that kind of like passion excitement built up that kind of like collection for you and all these like awesome things that really help you be creative on your own terms. I, I think that's true. Yeah. <laughs> that's so neat. Um, well, your career has kind of taken you all over, it seems like. You, know, you moved from Oklahoma to D.C. and Brooklyn and stuff. Um, what kind of drew you to these spaces and like maybe did they influence you at all with like your creativity or your music? Yeah, I mean, I wanted to move to D.C. because of Beauty Pill. Um, there was a band in the 90s called Beauty Pill, Black Band. I remember I had some friends that told me, uh, you know, in my quest for bands that had Black people in it, I felt <laughs> like I had, I knew them all. <laughs> you know, like there was, a period, there was a period where I was like, yeah, I know who Chad Clark is. He's a front man of Beauty Pill. He lives in D.C. and I want to move, in D- I want to, move to D.C. And, you know, that was where Bad Brains was from and um, it was Chocolate City. And so in my head growing up, I always felt like, oh, like, DC seems like this cool, hardcore place where Howard University is and also Chad Clark and Beauty Pill and Fugazi. And I kind of wanted to be a part of like the hardcore scene there. And then like I moved here and it it didn't really work out the first time. And I was like, okay, I'm not going to waste any more time here moving to Brooklyn. And, And I moved there and was very quickly able to jump in a couple bands and then was there for like five ish years. And I just moved back here about a year ago and it's been going really well since I moved back here. So, you know, a little bouncing around. That's so I would awesome. say that like different um, uh, inspirations from both cities, right? Like uh, when I moved to Brooklyn, I met like a world of people that were like me. And I felt like that was the first time that I felt like, okay, like, you know, I went, I, my whole life I tried actually like not to take music too seriously. You know, like I, you know, my parents were like working class people, you know, they, you know, they were like, you know, get a job. And I, I felt like I needed to, and I you know, worked pretty hard and sold all my music stuff and to move here and, you know, was homeless and turn in roughing it, you know? And, yeah. um, and I, I just, I just couldn't not play music anymore. And that's why I moved to Brooklyn, started playing more. And every time you like get to another step, everything feels a little more possible you know, and I, I met so many people who were like really doing it. And I was like, oh, well, like, why not me? You know, so I hung out with those people and played with those people. And, and now that's what I do. That's so awesome. And it's great that you had those people to play music with. I imagine, especially being in a couple of bands in Brooklyn and stuff, you're able to kind of learn more and get different styles of folks kind of involved in what you're doing and all that too. Yeah. Well, and you get people that tell you you're good. And sometimes like you need someone to say like, yeah, "Yeah, that was good. And you're like, that was good. (laughs) I've got a bunch of those. (laughs) You know, I got more where that came from. (laughs) When you're just in your room or you're just working all the time or you just, you know, or you're the only black kid around, you know, you're just, you're like, do I have anything to offer? (laughs) Sometimes it helps. You need people that to tell you like, yo, that's dope. You should do that. And, right. You know, that makes a difference sometimes. Absolutely. Cause like uh yeah, I think sometimes um you need your friends to just build you up for a second and tell you like you're you're doing great, keep it up. Hundred percent. That's so special. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. Well, you have this awesome EP that by the time this episode comes out, it will be out. And it's really cool because you explore the national. Um 
which is a really awesome band. Um, I, I enjoy the national. I know that there are people like you who love the national. I feel like there's people who like the national and there's people who love the national. Yeah. And um, I got to ask you, like, what made you fall in love with them? What is it about the national that just like made you such a big fan? You would think I'd have a better answer for this, but here we go. Why I love the national. <laughs> I have had a journey with that band. Like when I first found out about them, I didn't get it. Uh, it. And I feel like a lot of people say that about the national. Like I remember my friend telling me about it in school. I was in college, my buddy Grant, great drummer, really respected his playing. And he was like, yo, have you heard of this band? Like there, there's these twins that play in this band called Clogs. That's really good. You should check them out. And everyone was really into them. And I just felt like I missed the wave. Like I was mm -hmm. like, who is this band? I don't know. And my friend was like, you know what, let's go check them out. We went, we went and caught a show when they were like coming through Oklahoma or maybe North Texas, I forget. And I, I remember watching them and I was like, whoa, they sound nothing like the record. This band is like heavy and emotional and fast and it's all so tight. And, but there are elements of it that just make no sense. I don't know how they're bringing this all together. And, and, it, and it, I was just, I was shook by the band. And then, you know, I just kind of like diving deeper and deeper and deeper. And I feel like with that band, like, you listen to a song 15 times, like the 15th time, you hear something totally new. Mm. And I was just like, how are you guys writing these like simple, complex, engaging arrangements? And like the lyrics were so hard hitting. And the more I read about them, I learned that like guys in the bands had families and, you know, they were, you know, like I was, I was a fan of like their lifestyles, I guess, you know, like, um, cause I always thought of like, oh, you don't want to be a musician. You have this like fast life and you can't have a family or kids and like these guys have like wives and kids and you know they're just having their little domestic lives and they go and play huge shows and they make great art together and they're best friends and i i fell in love with that idea of this like sustainable musical lifestyle where you know you can kind of have everything you know i was kind of told you had to pick and choose but these guys kind of figured it all out mm -hmm. um so those are two reasons and i mean shit like i just i just love how they play you know I, I don't know why, but I love how they play. <laughs> I yeah. feel like they are one of those bands. I feel like that can hit harder live. I haven't had the pleasure of experiencing the national live yet, but like, um, some bands just have that way of just like really giving you a transformative experience when you like are actually there mm -hmm. experiencing every note, every beat, the stage presence, all of it in that space and stuff. And it sounds like that was like a big experience for you too. Yeah, I felt like they taught me in like um, the power of being deliberate. Mm -hmm. Like every note is like you, it's planned. Like, uh, and that's like opposite of how I had written music. Mm -hmm. Whereas like hardcore music and like even country music, like there's a lot of like go for it. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. like there's a lot of like all right, uh, shred or let's get loud or noise or it's gonna be different every time. But I feel like with that band, like. Uh, the music was so deliberate. Um, every note was there for a reason and they've evolved so beautifully over the years, brought in so many elements. They, they collaborate with artists I really love and respect and they turn me on to things I've never heard before. You yeah. know, so it's just like, they kind of do it all in my, yeah. my book. Mm -hmm. I can hear that. And honestly, it's like, uh, you know, you mentioned that was something that you weren't doing before, but I feel like you have that in common with them now. So it's really kind of neat to like the whole deliberateness of your music, because um, I feel like I heard that a lot throughout how you re-envisioned their songs. But 
like what were kind of your motivations for putting together the CP and like maybe how did you pick the different songs that you chose to put on there? Yeah. Um, well, on the motivations, I guess it's like, I mean, I love the national and every time I go to the shows, I'm like, the, I'm, 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 pre, I'm usually the only person of color around there. I mean, there's a few, but there's not a lot of like black folks, brown folks uh, that I see. And I always thought that was unfortunate considering like one, how good the band is. I was yeah. like, more people should hear this music, but you know, a, you know, but B, it's like the reason there's no black people at this show, there's a deeper issue here, which is like people don't understand how black people have contributed to this genre of music and, and how we, we, have a, we have a space here. Like this space is just as much ours as it is anybody else's. And I hope one day that the biggest indie rock band in the world is a band that looks more like me, you know, mm. and, um, you know. And that's no knock on the national. Like this is a little bit aside from them, you know. Sure. And, and so I was like, you know, I think it would be cool to kind of take these songs and recast them as someone coming from like my world, where it's like, you know, I'm a black kid from the country, working class, you know, parents. Um, I want to like kind of infuse the the history and the contributions that black people have brought to this genre mm -hmm. in this like really traditionally like white male space and and show how one is bolstering the other like how black music has bolstered this this genre and and i thought it would be really cool that juxtaposition of like the national as being like this you know like super white super straight mainstream indie band yeah. with this idea of like reclaiming the space that black people should have in, the, in this world you know, in this genre of music. And I, and I tried to do it in like a few ways, you know, it's like um, about today on the original, there's like a, there's a kick pattern that's really prominent. And I was like, yo, let's make this like a house beat, you know? So it's like yeah. taking elements of the songs that I thought were unique and making them just like darker or more emotional or, or me, just making them more me, you know? So it was like, I don't know. I hope that was clear. I felt like I just kind of rambled. No, but. I think that was really clear. And if anything, it's like you kind of bring your authenticity to that sound. And it's like, yeah, it's your experience and stuff. And you're also able to do it in a way that I think, I think you're a thousand percent right. I think you did manage to like really reclaim that space and show like um, black contribution to, to rock music period in that way. And also at the same time, put, your voice and your experience and what makes your sound unique to it. Um, Cause I feel like you did like apply your own distinctive style to these songs. I kind of was doing for a little while, um, kind of listening to the nationals original version of like about today, for example, and then hearing your version. And it's just so distinctive. Like I can feel your energy through these songs and maybe it's like how much, how passionate you are about them and stuff. But like, I mean, uh, sorry, National. I think I like Bertie's version a little bit better. <laughs> uh, I might be biased here, though, but we'll see. You just got to listen to theirs 15 times. Maybe. Maybe that's it. I mean, I guarantee you the like for every one time I listen to, to their version, I probably listen to yours 15. <laughs> got to give them a shot. <laughs> I promise. I promise. I'll let it I'll let it sink in. I feel like I, I'm, I might need that live experience to really like get it. I feel you. perfectly cemented but like I mean it was just 
incredible listening to your take on it. Like, I know you mentioned like the house beats, for example, on about today, but like, how else did you kind of put your twist on their, on their music? Well, I think that there's also something that happens when like, it's like a funny little, like, I don't know what the word is, like a tick when like I sing Matt's lyrics. Cause me and Matt are like, we're very different people. Like we have different experiences. And so like, for example, there's a lyric in the song Lemon World that mm-hmm. I don't, that I think we, I mean it the same way he means it, but I think, you know, like when I say it, it means something different. Um, there's a right. line, you and your sister live in a lemon world and I want to stay in and die. And he's talking about how, well, the way I've interpreted it is he's talking about like living in Brooklyn and he didn't have a lot of money and all these people around him were really rich. They all lived in a lemon world. Like everything was great. And he just wanted to stay inside and just, weather away because he's broke and nothing was working out in his life. Mm-hmm. I feel the same way when I'm in Brooklyn, but it feels even more painful <laughs> because yeah. it's like, you know what I mean? It's like, it's like, you know, I'm like this black dude trying to make some shit happen in my life and everyone around me is fucking loaded and I'm from the country and I don't know anyone in this world up here, you know? And it's like, so when I'm singing those lyrics, it feels like I mean, I really felt that shit, you know, like when I was living in Brooklyn and even here in D.C., like everyone's so rich. I'm like, damn. Yeah, D.C.'s a pretty wealthy town, too. Yeah, I'm like, how do y'all get rich? Like, I have friends who have houses and friends whose parents are giving them money. And I'm like, your parents gave you what? Like, they just put it in your account? Like, (laughs) they have, how does this work? You know, I was like, you know, my parents are awesome and they work really hard, but you know different you know that's some different shit so you know and so there's stuff like that and I also think like you know my um my goal with the music was like to find elements of it that I loved and just like make them like the whole song (laughs) so so um you know I feel like on songs like um all the wine I I really wanted to like kind of not make it a celebratory song like the original song, it sounds like a wedding party song, kind of. Yeah. And I wanted it to sound like a Kamasi Washington song, like a like a weird black jazz swinging, like Robert Glasper track, you know, just like to create the juxtaposition of both worlds. Yeah. And I, you know, we tried to do it. I hope it comes across, but it was a lot of fun trying. Yeah, I love that so much. Like uh, your your take on all these and how you kind of reimagine them are just incredible. How did you choose each song that you wanted to cover in the EP? Were they some of your favorites or was there intention for like what kind of message you were trying to share? Well, I mean, I was trying to be a little strategic. I mean, like some of these songs are like their higher sinking songs. Mm. I wanted to choose songs that people would actually recognize, right? Because like, I mean, I know every song in the catalog, so I would, I probably would have chose some deep cuts that nobody would have recognized, you know? So <laughs> That's I, the big I, fan. <laughs> right. So I was like, I can't pull up with eight songs. No one even knows what I'm talking, like what I'm referencing. So I tried to see, choose ones that people had heard the most of. Um, but then I also chose ones that like are definitely like underrated that I just love. Mm-hmm. Like Reasonable Man, or it's called I Don't Mind, parentheses, a reasonable yeah. man. Um, that song is, I mean, it's a, people who like the national have heard that song, but it's definitely not one of their like shining stars, probably, but that song has just always been really cool to me. And like, uh, 
the way that they recorded it, it sounds really thin and raspy and random and not everything's in tune. It's, it's weird and warped. Um, and the title is, I don't know. And it's a reasonable man. And I felt like the, the sonic choices they made really reflected like how the song was positioned. And, and I was like, you know, like, I want to, I want to do that again, you know, and, you know, it was, it was fun to hit that one again and, and kind of put my fucked up version on it. And, you know, it's just fun. Like, you know, I don't know. It, it was, it was cool. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Um, I would say my, two of my favorite covers that you have on there are about today, of course, and then Mr. November, um, which were your favorites to put together? My, oh, I think, Damn. I know I'm asking you to pick like your favorite child right now and I'm sorry. <laughs> well, it's funny because the one that I like the most you haven't heard. It's, um, there's two extras. Yeah, uh, I was yeah. checking those out. Oh, you heard those? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Which one was your favorite? Like uh, Jamie sent me over all of them. <laughs> astronauts. Yeah? Looking for astronauts, yes. That one and was great too, honestly. That song, yo, if you hated it, I'd be like, okay that's fine because like it's so out like that song is super out <laughs> and it's like it's so wild and when we made it i was like this was a ridiculous idea and this is truly a testament to everyone in the room that we pulled it off because this right. is a ass idea um yeah so that one and probably like all the wine i think yeah. when the drums quit creep in on all the wine i think that is the dirtiest shit i've ever been a part of making and <laughs> my drummer carter zumptabel is a freaking monster He's like a 23-year-old kid from Las Vegas. Yeah. It's dirty as hell. Dirty. I love it. Yeah, he, he killed that shit. So, you know. And it's weird because it's like some of my friends that we made this, that I made this with, like, we've been talking about the national amongst each other since I've known them. Like, wow. The people who were involved in the record, our whole friendships started talking about the national. You know? That's amazing. Yeah. And then to be like, oh, hey, you want to work on this project? It'd be really cool. And like, who knows? Maybe I can get like, their label to help us with it. Uh -huh. I, was pitching, I was pitching them on the idea before I even got the label in on it. I was just like, let's try this and see if it works. And, you know, so all the songs mean so much to me because of the people who helped me make it and our relationship. So, you know, it's all that. That's so cool that you were able to get friends that were also fans to work on this with you and just like really go all in. I'm sure it was a blast to like record and experiment and everything. Yeah. And we, you know, we kind of did it like super low budget. Like we did it here in this room at my house. Oh, really? Yeah. Most of it did it right here. And, uh, crap. and we cut like two or three songs with my friend Spencer Murphy at Black Black Lodge in uh -huh. Brooklyn, which is a cool studio, um, you know, but most of it we did right here. That's incredible. Yeah. I mean, you've got a great space that you're working with there, but like, holy crap, that's impressive. Thanks. Yeah. No, I've, uh, it's like super well like i don't know maybe it was the mixing and mastering on top of that but like holy crap like it sounds like high quality studio production for me honestly thank you thank you <laughs> thank you thank you thank you you know that yo I, I yo i have some fucking nerds on my on the team like i'm serious like my, yeah? my friends we're all we're all like this like if you go to any of our houses it looks like this we're all we're all a little too like, too into it so yeah. And also like the guy who mixed it, Chris Connors, he's called like, he won a Grammy, like a Latin Grammy for mixing. He's, he's cold. He's, he's nice. He plays in a band Gosh. called Dan Kid, 
with this guy named Dan Kleiderman, the best guitar player ever. It, we go on and on. But yes, everyone involved is really great. And I'm really That's happy. amazing. I'm so happy for you. Seriously, that's like such a, a wonderful accomplishment for you to have for this. Thank you. And what a great release for you to have, too. I mean, what are you really hoping our listeners get out of, like, Say Goodbye to Pretty Boy? I hope that they just want to stick around for the next thing. Yeah? Like, I hope that when they hear it, they're like, this is awesome. I want to hear what else he does. Because I have an LP that is already done, and I'm itching to put that thing out. I am so hyped. And honestly, like, I mean, I enjoyed your music before this, whenever I heard like in a cab and all that, that's what got me like so stoked on you, by the way, was when I heard that song, I was like, this is somebody who's going to like really shape the way that I consume independent music going forward, just because there was so much variety to your sound and stuff and what you're putting together. And like, um, I have had the pleasure of listening to a couple of the new songs from the forthcoming EP. Jamie shared that with me and I'm so stoked. Um, uh, what can you tell listeners about the album so far? I know you haven't really announced anything, but can you drop any kind of like teaser? No. <laughs> no, nothing? You got nothing for me? I can't even, I can't, that's as vague as I can get by the way, is being like, I've heard them. They're awesome. <laughs> I don't know what to say. Like, <laughs> Yo, I don't want to get you in trouble. <laughs> I, I'll just say, like, it's it, it. If you think that this national record has range, yes, the other thing is like cross country. It is like, <laughs> like from what I've heard so far, holy crap! There's a lot of range. There's a lot of exciting stuff you're doing with like your personal songwriting and stuff. Um, Okay, I'm trying to think of stuff I can ask you because it's like without giving anything away, but like for your personal songwriting that you do have out there, it's like In a Cab is one of the songs that you do have out and stuff. Um, but like, uh, how do you approach your songwriting whenever, because it's different when you're doing covers and you're re-envisioning what exists, but like how do yeah. you kind of approach your songwriting from a personal standpoint, like what you're trying to kind of convey um, lyrically, um, sonically, all of it? I mean, I think a really big part of my, I guess, vision artistically is really coming back to kind of what we talked about at the beginning of this conversation, mm -hmm. which is, you know, like asserting contributions of black artists and like bringing it all back to like, yeah, like I can do a trap song and a rock song and a country song because I made all that shit. <laughs> and like that comes from where I come from mm -hmm. and it all makes sense because it's honest and it's like who I am and it's who my people are and it's where I'm from it's all of it you know and so I'm I'm very you know I look at some of the artists I, I love Tyler the Creator mm -hmm. you know some of these people that are coming out with music that I think is really like breaking down barriers they're creating things that are <clears throat> that aren't you can't limit them by a genre I mean, I really do believe that like genres are kind of racist. Like they, yeah. they like they force people they force people of color into boxes that we've never had to be in sonically. Like it's insane to think that like oh like that that I don't know I don't know before I I mean look at like Namdi Ogben Namdi Ogbenaya yeah that fool love Namdi like come on limitless. <laughs> I mean, he, 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 makes, he literally does everything. Anything he wants 
better than everybody else. Anything. Right. Devin from Monica, who played for Speedy Ortiz. Yeah. That fool can play a guitar backwards, upside down, any way, better than anybody, any style, any day, any time. Like, yeah. raw. You know, Jason, like, the way that she writes music, Japanese Breakfast, like, all these people are people of color, and, like, you can't. And they make shit all over the spectrum, and that's comfortable for, you know, us, I think. And Absolutely. There are reasons for that, and I think, like, the creating limits and genres and categories to slot us into kind of, you know, defeat the whole purpose of how we move. Right. So, yeah, you know, I feel like that's kind of the whole purpose of what I do is, like, to continue to make things that um, free us up, mm-hmm. you know, so that the next person, you know, 15-year-old Bartice in Waxahachie, Texas, sees me playing a show at an unofficial show for, you know, Fluff Online, you know, he'll be, you know, they'll be like, yo, like, I want to make some shit like that. <laughs> that's <laughs> so awesome. That's kind of yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. And, like, that's why it's, like, whenever there is a conversation about, like, genre or, like, anything like that, I always like to ask people instead, it's like, how do you describe your sound? An emphasis more so on the sound side, because it's like, there can be so many different influences and pieces and like moods. Like some of my favorite people have like referred to their music as like bubble grunge or like different types of pop and like all kinds of stuff like that. So it's fascinating to me to like, just hear what more so the amalgamation of what shapes their taste and what they're trying to create more so than anything else. So yeah. That's that's awesome. And I love that that's your mission. And I have to have you back here whenever your LP drops because I'm gonna want to break that down with you thoroughly. I I hope I hope I get the opportunity to talk about it a lot. <laughs> I'm so, I'm so I'm, stoked. Like you know, I can just tease to all of you that like you're not ready. I mean, <laughs> I'm ready for this national EP, much less like what you're gonna drop here with this full length. I'm very excited for you. Thank you. I appreciate it. And thanks for having me. I'm really happy to be here. Absolutely. Um, do you have anything you can talk about that's coming up this year? Any shows you're playing? Any like uh, tours yeah. or like idea of what time of year we might be seeing that LP? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, I know that, um, well, the EP comes out on March 13th. Um, yep. We've got some vinyl pre-orders that we're accepting. Um, I, I mean, I think the vinyl is going to be really special. We're adding two songs to it that aren't on the EP digitally. Yeah. So you'll get a little treat if you get it. Um, in terms of shows, um, we're having a little album release party with my friends and Wasabi Fox and Fusilier. Um, they're awesome bands and we're going to be playing March 12th at the Sultan Room in Brooklyn. And then we'll probably chill out before we get the record out. That's exciting. Well, if anybody's near any of that, they have to go. Just saying. Yeah. You know, keep up with me. I mean, you know, I'm easy to find. I'm talking shit all day on Twitter. Like, (laughs) I love it. I need to chill. I'm just talking shit. Um, so, you know, I love to hear that. I wish I could talk more about, you know, I I can't talk about the LP or the timing because I don't have it set yet, but I really, okay, that's fair. But you know, uh, yeah, all, all, all things said, you know, I'm excited about this year and I'm, you know, got some other things coming out too. I've got some collaborations I'm doing. I'm producing a few artists. I record a lot of bands. Ooh, cool. Uh, Some stuff will be coming out this, this year. Um, just from like the work. That sounds amazing. Yeah. So I got to ask you one question I always throw at the end of every interview. You may be familiar with this one. If you can play a show with any three musicians or bands that can be currently active or bring them back from the dead, who would it be? Okay. Okay. Any. Any musicians. Any. Dead or or alive. 
Dead or alive? Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. All right. Here we go. Mitski. Mitski's the coldest songwriter mm-hmm. alive. She's got, she she's is. in the band. She's in the fucking band. I'm in her <laughs> band. Let's say that. I will be in her <laughs> band. Uh, so Mitski. Um, damn. Tunde had a bimpe. Like the lead singer from TV on the radio. Damn, now I've got two singers. We need some players now. Omar Rodriguez <laughs> Lopez, guitar player, dirty. Um, and I think that's three. I said three. Yep. I think I have to stop there. That's perfect. And okay. what a lineup. And yeah, what well, what what we can do is they can each play a set and then you have your mashup power band. Cool. I love it. Cool. Perfect. I hope you get to play with these people at some point. I think that would be incredible. And I am always like surprised and like in the most happy excited way possible because i end up seeing these people that i have on the podcast they'll kind of like speak it into existence and they'll play with bands that they always dreamed of like not too long ago my friends in sleepless they got to open a retirement party that was like one of their dream bands and stuff so it's like oh my god all the vibes in the universe for this to happen yo i freaking hope so i look up to too many i look up to some man like I, I want it all. Like, I, I want to play with them all. Yeah. I don't blame you. I don't blame you one bit. <laughs> like, I, it's, that was a hard list. I didn't say James Blake or Justin Vernon, which is, I'm sorry, I don't know why. But yeah, anyways. You can have a second set of three whenever you come back. Yeah, sounds good. I'll think harder about it next time. Oh, <laughs> uh, Bartiz, where can everybody find you on the internet? And stay tuned for all these awesome releases you have coming. Um, yeah, you can follow me on IG or Twitter, just Bartiz underscore strange. Um, that's it. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Everybody give Bartiz a follow. Thank you so much for joining. This has been a blast. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Love yeah. The, love the stuff you're doing. It's like really important shit. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. So happy I was invited Give me a reason to get out of the city See you inside watching swarms on TV Living and dying, New York, it means nothing to me I gave my heart to the army The only sentimental thing I could think of With cousins and colors somewhere overseas Bet it'll take a better war to kill a college man like me I'm too tired to drive anyway, anyway right now Do you care if I stay? You can put on your bathing suit And I'll try to find something on this thing that means nothing to know Losing my breath Do, 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 do Losing my breath Do, 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 do in my mouth
say that we invented a summer loving torch apart I'm too tired to drive anyway, anyway Right now, do you care if I stay? You can put on your bathing suits And I'll try to find something on this thing that means nothing enough heard Bartiz Strange's cover of Lemon World by The National. Thank you so much to Bartiz for such a fun and impactful conversation. Be sure to check out his EP today on all streaming platforms and Bandcamp and support because Bartiz is going to take over the world. Trust me, his music is phenomenal. That's it for this week, but you can always keep up with me online. Follow the podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for regular updates. Subscribe and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, Stitcher, Overcast, and more. Want to tell me what you think of the podcast? Leave a review on any of the apps. I'd love to hear from you. For more news, thoughts, feels, or just all the podcast episodes, please visit anchorgirlmusic.com. If you're interested in pledging your support on Patreon, please feel free to visit the website or at patreon.com slash anchorgirlmusic. Every patron gets a shout out on the website and the pod, and more. So thank you to the following monthly patrons, Molly, Carly, Kendra, and Sam. I'm always booking guest spots, so hit me up at angrygirlmusic at gmail.com. Whether you write and play music, run a blog, take photos, work in publicity, or book shows, this can be a space for you. Send me a link to your work and let's chat. Until next time, stay angry and keep streaming and supporting everybody right now. It's time to be a community. Bye for now. to the Savior, the gun in my pocket.